program made possible by patrons like you. Welcome to where we celebrate music from the movies. From the golden age to present day, we've got it all covered. We talk to those in the entertainment industry and find out about their favorite scores. You found the podcast, What's the Score? I'm your host, Frank R. Wilson. So sit back, relax, grab a popcorn, and let's see what we'll be hearing today. As most of you know, we usually have guests that are in the film industry in some sort of way, composers, directors, actors, critics, you know, and so forth. But occasionally I do like to talk to people that are fans, but but not your ordinary fans, those who have a real passion for film music and have expansive knowledge of the craft. And today's episode is in that spirit. My guest is from England, who came from very humble means to... A flourishing career in nursing. These days, even though he's retired, he still works in the field as one of the many brave and dedicated frontline workers that are helping us all get through this this pandemic. He's a hero in my mind because of that, and so I'm delighted to have him with us today. We became friends due to our mutual love of film music, and especially, guess what, listeners, our love of one composer, John Barry. I'm sure that's a big surprise. <laughs> anyway, I hope everyone will join me in welcoming Tony Weeks to the program. Hi, Tony. Hi, Frank. Thank you. Delighted to have you with us today. And uh, uh, as I said, we you know we were we're friends on Facebook and have a similar passion and love for it. So I'm I'm really going to be interested in hearing what uh, what choices you make and learning a little bit more about yourself because we just uh, haven't had a chance to really do much of that. Um, as I typically start these programs, I. I always like to learn a little bit of background about the individual. So if you wouldn't mind maybe telling us a little bit about yourself, uh, you know, growing up and, and what your hobbies and interests were and, you know, just kind of general things like that, family and uh, situations, you know, your family now and, that, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, once again, thank you for having me here today. Um, yeah, I, I uh, was born and I grew up in a town called Tunbridge Wells in Kent on the south coast of England, sort of about 50 minutes away from London. Um, mm -hmm. a, a very conservative town, uh, but sort of seen as a very posh town uh, over here. But I, I certainly didn't come from a very kind of, we came from very humble beginnings, uh, my family. Yeah. We were pretty poor, but we managed to sort of get by. Uh, no sob story in that, because for me, that that, that was my, my, you know, that how I grew really, um, yeah. had a bit of a chaotic family. Um, I, my dad was an amazing man who I adored, had, had you know, one or two issues with my mum, as I guess some boys do, but yeah. I had three absolutely wonderful sisters and I, they are still with me now. And I can't 
I owe so much to them, uh, so much to them in the way I, I've sort of grown and, and my loves for things really, uh, particularly my eldest sister. Uh, she really introduced me to the world of music and entertainment. She used to take me to theatres and the cinema. And she introduced me to a whole load of things um, as, as well as food, which I adore as well. Um, yeah. I left home. Um, I, my growing up, as I said, it, it was a pretty good childhood uh, up until I hit senior school, which I loathed. It, it, it sort of took <laughs> the yeah, I hated it. I, you know, it took. We, we had to suddenly be, become a man at eleven. It was like a very army type school, and that wasn't me. Ooh. So I, I hated it. Um, really up until I, I, I was about 13, and as, as I will say later on, but that, that's when I discovered James Bond. I was allowed to see Bond for the first time, Live and Let Die. And then that year in 1974, um, uh, the Bonds came out on, as double bills, and then I discovered John Barry. Um, I'll say more about that later. I'll, I'll, okay. I'll carry on a little bit because that will go on with John yeah. Barry. But anyway, yeah, that... that Basically, finding John Barry and Bond got me through uh, through my schooling. Really, um, I, I, I had this, I guess, like a Walter Mitty world then that I'd go to school where I was hating it, but in real, in my world, I was Bond. You know, I, I, you know, I was James Bond rather than this sort of fat kid that was, you know, hating rugby and things. <laughs> um, but I, 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 you know, know. I, <laughs> you know, I got through it. Uh, then I sort of got to 17. I lost a load of weight, you know, uh, when I discovered girls. Um, <laughs> then I, I got 17 and, and then really sadly, the day after my 17th birthday, my, my, my beautiful dad, he, he died. Uh, it, it was dreadful. I mean, it was, it was mm. terrible. And it all sort of came at the same time of leaving school and, and, and things, you know, exams and whatever. Um, but I got through it. I, you know, I got through it once again with with, the, with my family. By then, my, my two nieces, who I adore, they'd been born uh, sort of a couple of years, four, four and two years before. So they got me through that. Um, that same year, um, I got a job for the first time uh, as a hospital cleaner uh, through my sister, who my elder sister, who was a nurse. Uh, and then I went to college. And I excelled. Um, I, I did a social care course. And all of a sudden, after sort of seven years at, at my senior school, I, I had uh, nine months at college. Uh, I was the only boy in my class as well. And I think this yeah. is the only reason, I think it's the only reason why I excelled. I loved it. <laughs> I had nine months of heaven. Even though my dad had just died, it was nine months of heaven. Um, my tutors thought, well, I'd make a good nurse. So um i applied to become a nurse um in eastbourne which is a little uh town uh on the south coast of uh, of england just half an hour away from brighton which i would have most most people would know brighton but eastbourne perhaps not beachy head yeah. it's where people go to jump off anyway i applied uh, because there was a new hospital and i became a nurse uh they, they accepted me in uh, may the 7th 1979 uh i left home uh, and I became a nurse, and for the last forty-two years, that's what I've done, really. Um, wow! And I and I want to talk more about that later at some point. But I also know from our previous conversations that 
you had a very challenging time being able to narrow down your choices of cues. So I'd like to maybe start to dive into that a little bit. Um, and and we'll, we'll pick up some other things that you had just mentioned there. Uh, you, you chose a wide variety not of, of not only subject matter, but, but of composers, which I just love. I think it's great. I thought we'd start off with a film called Billion Dollar Brain. Uh, tell us a little bit about why you wanted to choose that particular cue and, uh, and remind me again of the composer, but just tell me a little bit about why that made your list of favorites. Right. Well, I had to add this because, I mean, it's, it's Richard Rodney Bennett, who um, is, is, is a great British film composer. Uh, well, not just film, he did classical works. Um, okay. uh, and I mean, he, he did uh, uh, Murder on the Orient Express is, is one of his other great works. Far from the Maddening World, uh, Maddening World is one of his others. I chose this because before I uh, discovered James Bond, I had always want. I, I, I loved spy movies, uh, and and this is mm. part of the Len Dayton, Harry Palmer uh, trilogy, um, along with Ipcress, and and this used to come on uh, so regularly on a Sunday night, and once again because of my hatred of school. Sunday night was was a was a mixed bag for me because I was hating going to school, but anything that kind of gave me sort of anything, any comfort, that did, and that music would be in my head the next day, basically. Yeah. And so yeah. before I found Bond, that was my first Walter Mitty moment, I guess, of of of, um, of being a spy and going to yeah. and the billion dollar brain. I still watch it, and I love it. It's it's a wonderful. <laughs> Well, let's 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 uh, let's take a listen to this. I believe this is the main theme, correct? Yes, it is. Yeah, yes. the main theme from Billion Dollar Brain, uh, Brain, written by Richard Rodney Bennett. Let's have a listen.
curious what, other than the fact that, you know, the whole class was, was girls, what, what, what was it that attracted you to nursing? Was there a particular reason behind looking at that for a career? No, do you know, well, it, it wasn't what I, I planned to do. I mean, at school, I'd got no plans much at all. Uh, my, my career officer said I would make a great postman uh, because because <laughs> my nieces had, had, had uh, my first niece was born in um, 1973, Rachel, and my second niece, Claire, was in 76, uh, 75. And I, I mean, I just adored them. Once again, they took me out of myself. I mean, you know, they're once again, two incredibly important people in my life. And I, wow. I, I, I knew I was really good with kids that, you know, they, they I, I knew I was, so I was going to work with kids. That's what I wanted to do. But through oh. college, they, you know, my tutors thought I'd make a great nurse. And it kind of makes sense because my other sister and the younger of my three sisters are both nurses. So I am the third, uh, third nurse in my family. I guess it was always wow. going to be. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, wasn't, and, and- it wasn't a career choice from early on. Uh, but I guess it was always going to be there. Uh, it was a great one. Uh, you know, I haven't looked back. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you would have stuck with it for all those years if you didn't have some kind of a, a love affair with it. And, that, and what a what a noble profession. I tell you, I I don't see any way that I could have done that just because I know there's there's probably some really terrific heartwarming moments, but there's also got to be some heartbreak in a, in a career like that, too. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, I, I will. I mean, I, I was going to bring this up. And, and, and once again, music. I mean, the, the worst day of my whole career um, was the day I, I saw a baby die in front of my eyes because I, I worked on, on my first train staff role was uh, accident and emergency, which would be uh, ER in, in America. And it was mm-hmm. literally just about four weeks before I left to do my second training. And that was horrible. But do you know what that that was and still to this day there'll never be a, a, a worse shift but but the heartwarming things are are, are are just so many so many and i've had some of the greatest laughs that you can believe because being a nurse <laughs> you have to, you have to have a really dark sense of humor and we're renowned for for black sense of humor and and <laughs> You know, the teams that I work with, the ones that I work with the best are the ones that we can have great fun with. Um, yeah. you, know, you know, even in the worst of times, we, we, we've managed to have fun, uh, really. Did you, uh, did, you, did, did you hear the story by any chance? And I just heard it uh, earlier today uh, about when Don Black left the hospital after being recovered from COVID. Yeah, I, I, you- I, read, I, I read his book last year and, and, and he said it. Yeah. And they were I would have done exactly the same. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it was just amazing. They actually, I actually heard a recording of the of the all the nurses. They got like twenty nurses as he's wheeling out of the hospital after having recovered from COVID. They sang yeah. the song "Born Free." Well, but I, it, I, I, sorry, Frank. I, I'll tell you something. Once again, this is Bond related. But uh, Desmond Llewellyn, uh, who played Q, uh, lived literally just a few miles from here. Um. I met him six days before he died. I mean, there's so many connections. Oh, my. All the dots. But he died literally just a few miles away from where I live um, in the car crash. And so he actually died in the accident and emergency department that I used to work, um, basically. And so obviously my colleagues, knowing that I I love Bond, they contacted me and they, they told me that when he died, as they were laying out, they were actually all humming the bond thing. Oh my! So you know, 
um, yeah, it's the kind of thing. Yeah, we of course we do that um, because you know hopefully they the you know because we respect people. You know, yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. there are people like oh, there are some people that you don't. You know, there is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have well, been the odd, yeah. not nice person, but yeah. Well, speaking of uh, speaking of Bond, one of the, uh, I guess probably the person who did the second most amount of Bond films uh, in the series, David Arnold, another uh, British composer, uh, he did a, a film called Four Brothers, which made your list. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, how that made your list and what it is you like about it. I literally had not heard that until uh, we went to a David Arnold concert in Nottingham uh, a few years ago. And he played it, and I'd never heard it before. I, I hadn't heard it. I, I didn't know the movie, but I heard it and thought, God, I, I've got to get this. And, and I did. I, I just I just tracked it down, literally just tracked the album down. Yeah. Uh, I saw the film a couple of years ago. It's not the greatest of films, and actually there's not a lot of his score left in it. There's a, you know, typical one of, the, one of those films, a lot of, you know, like Barry, they're taking a lot of his score out. But th- this is just a fabulous, fabulous score. And this piece that you're going to play is it, stunning. Um, I love oh, David. Wow. He's a great man. I've met him a few times now. And he's a really lovely, genuine guy. You should get him on here sometime. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've been trying, but I, you know, I'm, I'm still working on it. But I'd love to. I would, I would yeah. find him fascinating. I'm sure. Well, let's let's have a listen to this. You've got me all interested in it. This is from the film Four Brothers, and it's written by composer David Arnold.
it's interesting that you brought up the uh, the fact that you know there wasn't a lot of the uh, music that was composed for the film. A lot of it didn't didn't uh, survive, I guess, if you will, the final cut. And and you're right, that does happen a lot, unfortunately. But and I am curious though: have you ever does the do you think that sometimes music can actually save a movie that will, you know, make a mediocre movie. Okay. Or even good. Oh, that, that's, that is a difficult one. I, I guess it depends what it is. If, if you're going on something like night games that John Barry wrote the score <laughs> for, then no way on this earth. I mean, it is awful. And even the bets is not great. <laughs> Having said that, and I know it's a contentious thing in the group and it does divide people. I know John Berlingame loves it as well. It's, it's one of his, his little secret joys. I love Star Crash, and it's a terrible movie. I know it's a terrible movie. Oh, it's, yeah. Well, I, I'm with you 100%. Yeah. I mean, it's not even a substandard Star Wars movie. I mean, it, you know, it makes Doctor Who over here look high tech in the early days. But I love <laughs> it. Yeah, I love it. And John Barry's music does make it. I, I actually, I've met Carolyn Monroe a few times now, and the first time I met her, I talked to her about it, and um, she said it was the happiest film she'd ever worked on. Really? <laughs> yeah, she, huh. yeah, she loved it. She said it was brilliant. So, yeah, on that case, I don't know. It makes it more interesting. Whether it can save it, I don't know. I, I Yeah, I don't know, uh, really. Um, but I watched a lot of pretty awful movies uh, purely because they've got great scores in. So I guess on that way in a sense it saved it because i'm watching it yeah it's it, sometimes it can be really hard to, to to save something it's just just you know awful and I, I you gave some really good examples our audience may not be familiar with some of those but if you happen to show have an interest and you want to take a look at them it'll just confirm what we've been talking about well, all, um, I'll say about, all i'll say about the betsy if if, if nobody's seen it they must know Laurence Olivier. It, there's just this scene in it where Laurence Olivier is sort of having carnal relationships with the maid. Yeah. And you're seeing <laughs> Laurence Olivier's backside. And it's just, yeah. That's what, that yeah, was shocking to me. I remember. I remember yeah. seeing it the first yeah. time. Yeah. Not not yeah. that the scene was shocking, but it was that it was Sir Laurence Olivier doing that scene. And yeah. I just, yeah, yeah, even if, even Lawrence Olivier's buttocks couldn't save that scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Uh, continuing continuing down your list, you picked a uh, a favorite of mine as well, and uh, and also one of my favorite composers. I'm talking about uh, the score from uh, the film called Chinatown. It's the love theme that we're going to play, and it's written by Jerry Goldsmith. Uh, Again, kind of just share with us a little bit about how uh, or why that made made your list of favorites. Well, once again, it, it was a movie that I I, I saw, I, and like so many films, I, I hadn't heard the music. I knew a bit about Jerry Goldsmith. I mean, obviously, it was into film music by then, but I hadn't heard it. And I, well, I mean, it's such a beautiful, extraordinary piece. I mean, I mean, the, the movie itself is a masterpiece. It, it yeah. is an absolute masterpiece. Um, but I, I just, I, I adore it. I mean, it has, it, I won't go into it too much, but the reason why my first marriage 
failed is because I because I was surrounded by lots of women. Um, it was a piece that was sort of at a time when I was sort of probably seeing somebody I shouldn't have been uh, mm. <laughs> during my marriage. Um, so it kind of reminds me of that. But also for me, it's also I have a bit of a love hate relationship with Jerry Goldsmith, uh, which, which oh. a lot of people might find funny. But he's seen as sort of seen as the absolute god. Particularly if you go onto the Film Score Monthly message board, I mean, you can say <laughs> you can say I mean, basically they can rip John Barry to shreds. But you say anything about Jerry Goldsmith, and and you, you it's like you're chucked out, you know. So. Yeah. And, there's stuff of his I don't like. I, I find some of his stuff very, really atonal. But when he writes a melodic piece like this, um, oh yeah, I mean it's just nothing better. I mean this is stunning. It, 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 melodic and also, it, it, if I memory serves, it's it's just so atmospheric uh, that you know you you really feel like you're in that world that the yeah. that the film is trying to. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it is so noirish. It, 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 you've you've got. You've just got that that sort of the that intense sunshine that that, that sort of comes through in, in certain scenes, which which heightens it. But then there's a lot of darkness, and it, that just conveys it all. And and just just yeah, just that relationship between Faye Dunaway and Jack Nicholson is, is just it's electric on screen. And 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 yeah, yeah I mean, it, it, once again, it, it, it's a film that just everything comes together, and that score is just stunning. And and I want to say, if again, if memory serves, I want to say that Goldsmith said he used three pianos or two pianos. It was a really yeah. unusual uh, orchestration, I guess, for lack of a better word. And I apologize if I got the used the wrong word, but it was a yeah. it was a really interesting choice of how he had distributed the instruments. Well, let's let's have a listen to this. This again is the uh, the love theme from the film Chinatown, and it's written by Jerry Goldsmith. Thank you. 
my listeners will know I feel this way. And so I'd be curious about what your thoughts are as we're looking at more and more, more, uh, more recent film scoring and say over the last 10, 20 years. Um, can, can there be too much music in a movie? Oh, do you know, I, that is such a difficult one. Yeah. I, once again, I, yeah, there can be if it's by the wrong composer, but, but I guess that's been the case always. Um, you know, I look at some of our British movies and listen to some of the films that were made back in the sort of the forties and fifties and some of the music. And that is so kind of post-war military style almost. So yeah, I think there can be, but I, I, I love it. I, I know people, not David Arnold, but I love his Bond scores and there's a lot of music in that. Um, Hans Zimmer, I, I, I think is, is, is another one. Um, I, I, actually hated for a while i loved him up until he did uh gladiator i loved gladiator then after gladiator he seemed to do just the same thing and i would have agreed then just it seemed everything he did like pirates of the caribbean which i can't stand i hate hate the score and and the movies hate them uh but everything he seemed to do he just seemed to just fill up the 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 play the, the whole film just with sound then for me, he did Inception, yeah, yeah. which I I would have I would have included Inception, but there were too many. But Inception, it came, and, <laughs> and that's stunning. And there's a lot of music in that, but I think Inception's stunning. So once again, I think it depends on like, the quality of the music. You know, how, if the if the quality of the music is good, how can you have too much of it? That's the way I look at it. Well, we're uh, we've been talking a lot about John Barry and uh, and Bond, which is a nice segue to maybe. Uh, our next cues. I'm going to combine these two because they're both from the same film. Uh, and as, as many of my listeners know, especially those that are, that are interested in James Bond, this is probably in most people's opinions, certainly in the top five of the best films ever made of the Bond series. And the score is up there as well. I'm, I'm talking about the film honor majesty's secret service. You had uh, chosen not only the main title, which of course is spectacular, but uh, you also wanted to include the the uh, the song by Louis Armstrong in it. We have all the time in the world. Uh, tell me a little bit about what went into your decision to uh, to include that. Well, as you said, for, for me, it, it is just it's the greatest Bond movie of all time. For me, uh, I always say for me uh, because otherwise people start shouting at you. Uh, but you know, for me, it just is. I, I remember the first time I saw it, and I'd seen the others. And I know everyone was saying, oh, God, this is terrible because it's George Lazenby, can't act. You know, I'd even read interviews that John Barry did and say, can't act. But I just thought, wow, this is amazing. Um, you know, it's just got everything. Um, it has absolutely everything in it. It's It's got, it, 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 it was so different because it, I, I guess up until now, until Daniel Craig uh, started uh, his tenure as Bond, and and well, and Timothy Dalton. It was the first one that had a real emotional content in it, as in the fact that, well, he fell in love. Uh, yeah. You know, Bond's not supposed to do that. Um, and then he loses her, and, and you know, at the end, he's crying, and Bond's not really supposed to do Spoiler that. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Sorry, <laughs> yeah, no, no. Well, he <laughs> not, well, no, no, no. Does he lose her? We don't. We, we never actually see. <laughs> the end of the just kidding. We, I'm we, just. We, yeah, we no, no, just <laughs> but. Yeah, I mean, I've also got to say, this is my nerdy bit as well. They also mention my hometown, Tunbridge Wells, in it. 
There is a scene huh. when, when when he's proposing a, 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 a she says of Acacia Avenue, Tunbridge Wells. So I've just got to add that. So there is that. But but no, it's it's I love it. And ironically as well, it, it's 1969. And actually, two of my other pieces from this, 69 for me, we, was we had three of my favourite films ever came out in that year. One of them I only got to see at, that, at the time because I was nine, which hopefully we'll, we'll get later on, which was Ring of Bright Water. But the other one was Midnight Cowboy. Um, right. Uh, so 69 for me was, was an amazing year. Obviously, Midnight Cowboy and uh, Secret Service I had to wait a little bit longer uh, for. Um, but, yeah. Uh, but, yeah. And We Have All the Time in the World for me is just, it is my favourite song of all time. Um, I remember I first really listened to it when I got the 10th anniversary, the Bond collection. Oh, mm-hmm. And I remember listening to this as I did, all of Barry's stuff, you know, thinking, what is this? What is this this sorcery that's going on here in my ears? But we have all the time <laughs> in the world. I couldn't believe. I just played and played and played. As I said, my, my nieces kind of were born at the same time, so it was all around there. It was just feeding into... Uh, it's just beautiful on every every level. And, and Julie has got... Um, if she doesn't play that at my funeral, if I go first, then I'm coming back to want her. I mean, she's got actually about three months' worth of music to play at my funeral. But if she doesn't <laughs> play that, I mean, it was played at our wedding. We had it our, at our wedding. And it, it goes for everything. It, it's stunning. And, yeah. and, and Louis Armstrong, I mean, probably the, probably the greatest voice. I mean, Sinatra, yeah, but probably the greatest. And it's his last song, you know. So, yeah, I right. adore it. Yeah, there's there's so many great, interesting kind of behind the scenes things about this movie, and one thing being the music, one thing being that uh, I know that John Barry felt like, all right, it's not Connery. We got to really sell that this guy's the James Bond, and so he just, I think even in his own words said, you know, I went over the top with the score, and and he did. There was actually probably this probably has, if it's not the most music in a Bond film, he did. It's certainly close to the top. Yeah, and I, so that's I, that's an interesting part of it, and then of course the, as you mentioned with Louis Armstrong, he had been in ill health, and uh, and yeah, this was the last last recording he ever did, and and actually thanked Barry for the job because I guess you know since he had been in ill health, he hadn't been able to really do very much. So it's it's a very poignant song given also his his personal circumstance. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, let's let's have a listen to this. We're going to just play these back to back. We'll. Start off with the uh, the main title from Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Kind of hard to write a song to that title. <laughs> so we have an instrumental for that. And then we'll follow that up with Louis Armstrong's rendition of We Have All the Time in the World. Both uh, pieces, the music written by John Barry.
back to our program in a minute. This program is done for the love of film and film music, plain and simple. However, it does take a huge investment in time and in fees for me to make the program work for you. I don't sell commercial time and don't really want to on this program. Rather, I'm kind of like a, a public broadcasting station. I need support from listeners like you. For as little as $3 a month, you can help me uh, uh, offset the time spent in putting the program together. Or maybe you just think of it as leaving a tip in the tip jar. Either way, if you can join up, there will be bonuses, like an additional 10 to 15 minute segment with our guest every week, where we'll play additional cues as well as ask us some extra questions. And it's going to be only available to patrons. How do you sign up? Well, it's simple. You go to patreon.com slash 
What's the score? And that's all one word. That's Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash what's the score. Check it out. We'd be grateful for your support. That's Patreon.com. things I'm jealous about with people who live in the UK is it seems to me there are lots of opportunities to attend concerts of film music. Now, you know, I guess probably in, in the Los Angeles area in California, you could probably say the same thing, but that's the country so big. It's not like everybody has an, an opportunity to just slip over to LA to watch a concert. Whereas uh, in the uh, in the UK, I get the feeling that not only are they in London, but in other parts of the country as well. I'm just kind of curious what what concerts have you uh, have you been to, or you've been able to uh, either hear the music live, and for that matter, maybe even seeing the composer conduct his own music. Can you give me a few examples of what you've seen? Oh wow, yeah, a, a lot. Although um, well, it was quite late on, um, my my first film music concert was actually Jerry Goldsmith uh, at the Barbican. Um, so, as I said, it, I was late. It was late on because my first wife really wasn't into the sort of same stuff as me, so didn't really do much. Um, so I went to this on my own. Well, actually, not on my own. My my best friend uh, Gordon, um, we went to that. And so, yeah, Jerry Goldsmith was was the first one I I saw, and, and you know, mm. in Chinatown, which was incredible. Um, once again, I kind of underlined. I didn't find him a particularly likable person presenting it. So don't you know he, <laughs> he, he kind of knocked the the Star Trek fans and that. But anyway, going off on that, my second one I think was uh John Scott. I got to see him okay. um again I think that was at the Barbican. And then uh it was probably later on I yeah I, I guess after that um it would have been ninety eight uh which was Royal Albert Hall and and it was John Barry. I mean, uh, which was extraordinary. The, the thing with that was uh, I, I'd never even seen the, the Albert Hall until a year before that. Even though I'd lived in uh, near London for, for so long, I'd mm. never actually seen the Albert Hall. Uh, but we, Julie and I, went up to Princess Diana's funeral, and uh, just to see what two million people were like. We're not particularly royalist, but we thought we'd go there. And and we walked the procession, but backwards, and we saw the Royal Albert Hall for the first time. And I just joked to Julie saying, oh, wouldn't it be great if the first concert we ever saw here would be John Barry, thinking, oh, that won't happen. I'd never thought he'd come back and do concerts. And anyway, the the following January, um, I'd got a hint from some guys at Dean Street, 58 Dean Street, which was the main record shop that I used to go to in London, which everyone will know over this side of the pond, um, that he was doing one. And I phoned up the box office. This is how extraordinary this is. I phoned up just to say, 
do you know if John Barry is going to be doing a concert? And they went, well, actually, it's literally just come online. It had just come on. I I think I screamed. Um, <laughs> I, I was very broke at the time because Julie was doing her training then. So we were doing that. But luckily, she got some savings. So I literally had to say, can you give me some money? <laughs> <laughs> So she went, of course, you know, so I, I, I did. I, 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 yeah, unbelievably. And I got tickets for the 98 concert. Um, so, yeah, so that, that was my first, for me, that was just the greatest concert ever. And, I, and then I, I was lucky enough to see him. I think it was another four, four or five times after that. Um, I don't think anything wow. quite do. Uh, well, you, you, which one did you go to in 99? Because I actually was there at the... I was there for the Friday night performance. I did both. I, I actually did both. So I, I would have been the same. Yeah, I, I was there my, with you. My, I, I was so lucky with that, you know, because I had, uh, I actually had a business trip. I used to travel a lot internationally uh, at the time. And uh, I was in Europe for some meetings and stuff like that. And so I was able to arrange on, on coming on the way home to have a stop in London for a couple of days. And that was, I mean, otherwise, I don't think I could have done it. Uh, and you're right; it was, it was it was special. It was very special for me to be able to see him work live and uh, and you know hear him talk about some of the cues and stuff like that. So, and, uh, any uh, other composers? Any other composers you've seen live? Yeah, out of curiosity? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I actually went to to one. Uh, I think it's, it was ten years last year. I think it was 2010. The David Arnold actually. Um, uh, he arranged himself uh, along with Tommy Pearson, who, who, who's a guy that, um, that, that Steve Walston knows. Um, and it, it was for a, a charity called Care International that does a lot of stuff for, out in Africa and that. And there was a whole load of composers. Um, and uh, just to name a, a, a couple, there, there was, oh, there was David Arnold, obviously. Uh, one of my absolute favourites who, once again, I would have, I would have, put some some of his music in but didn't have enough time but uh, Christopher Gunning who I just love love he I saw him for the first time there and there was a whole load of them I you know off the top of my head I can't even remember who they were but also since then yeah I've seen uh, David Arnold a few times now um he actually did the last one I saw in fact the last time I went to London before all the lockdowns was to see David Arnold with Michael Giacchino um oh, they did a, a like a versus concert and that was, that was the last film music I saw that was the very last time that that we were in London uh, so that was October uh, 19 um and then yeah the various people throughout the time uh, uh yeah throughout the times really. that's terrific I mean I, I I I wish I had the opportunity for that I think the only let's see I did see Bill Conti he actually came to our humble little town of Baton Rouge Louisiana because he went to went to university here, but uh, other than wow. that, um, wow, and that's that's been it for me. So it's just the op- I'm, I'm delighted that you have those kind of opportunities and that you've been able to take advantage of it. That's, I, that's I, terrific. I, I, I've omitted one, and, and this is terrible. I've omitted one that was amazing, and that will literally be thirty years this year. I I, I was lucky enough. I saw Henry Mancini, who is another oh, wow. person who I wish I could get on this list, but I adore Henry Mancini's music, and I saw him at the Barbican, uh, the day before my birthday, 30 years ago, 1991. Wow. And, uh, wow, that was special. I tell you, when he did the Peter Gunn theme, I keep saying to Julie, because Julie loves his, his music, uh, when he did the 
Peter Gunn theme, he, he wasn't even conducting facing the orchestra. He faced the audience conducting and as the, the, the trumpets went, they, they all stood up and just went, wow, 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 like that. The bass yeah. players all stood up, did their piece and twirled their basses. I mean, that guy was a showman beyond belief. <laughs> and I thank God I saw him because um, I, when he died, I, 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 he's another one. You know, I could do a whole program about him one day. And I, I, I think he's been really largely forgotten Henry Mancini and so I want to really put a put a shout out for him I think we need to to bring his music back as and well, maybe, maybe maybe that's maybe that's an a an opportunity for a tribute show at some point so we'll, uh, I may consult you on that at a future date I, so I would love to be part of that um yeah. another film that you uh mentioned and I'm not familiar with it at all I think it's what Ring of Bright Water uh, is that yeah. correct? Yeah, Ring of Bright Water. Um, once again, who's, the, who's uh, the composer on that? And then how did that make your list? You can ask me that. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I should have done my research. I, 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 people will shoot me for that. Uh, maybe edit it out and say that I told you. I can't remember off the top of my head. I should have done it. Well, it's let the, me it, I, the, 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 keep the talking film. and I'll see if I can look it up while we're talking. That would be great. The, the film. It's actually by the same people that did Born Free. It has uh, Virginia McKenna and Bill Travers in it. Well, it was the first film to make me cry. I mean, I cried. Huh. Still, if you put it on today, I I will cry. Julie won't even let me put it on because it's so sad. It's sad. <laughs> but it's sad, but then it's beautiful at the end as well. Um, yeah, yeah. But the song is by a guy that's was really famous over here sort of in the 60s and 70s. There's like a country and western singer called Val Doonan. He's, he's an Irish guy. And um, I just loved the song. Um, and it just so happened that my dad loved Val Doonan anyway. Once again, I guess another part of my influences was my, was my dad. Um, and so it, it was the very first single I ever bought with my pocket money. Um, I gave my pocket money to my dad and he went and got it for me. I'm, I'm sure he probably put a bit towards it because I don't think I saved up that much. And it was <laughs> my very first 12, uh, my, my very first seven inch single. And huh. it was Ring of Water. Um, the, uh, the, com- the composer is that it's a name I don't recognize at all. Yeah. Yeah. Frank Cordell. Frank Cordell, that's correct. Yeah, Frank Cordell. And and, and you won't. He, he's not majorly famous. That's probably the only thing I know him from. Um, and as I say, it's really the song that resonated with me. But yeah, it is Frank Cordell. Yeah, th- thanks for that. I, I should have done my... I, I knew you were going to ask me that. And I should have done it. Apparently he was nominated yeah. for an Oscar at one point. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the song is beautiful. And and when you listen to the lyrics, I mean, there's... And, and once again, it, then, it does then become quite personal. There's... It, 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 you, you, you'll, you'll hear it um, where he's remembering him uh, and about re- remembering him in the, in, in the Ring of Bright Water. This is just a bit now you have gone. Um, and, and, and so, of course, because my dad bought it for me um, and um, those lyrics now and after my dad died became really pertinent because, you know, it, it, it not only says a lot about that film, but it kind of says a lot about my dad as well. Oh, OK. Well, let's yeah. have a listen to this. This is uh, from the film Ring of Bright Water, and it's written by composer Frank Cordell. 
sun and wind play on a ring of bright water. That's where my heartland will be. The deer on the hill in the first snow of winter. The gull in the sky winging free. I wandered away from the dark crowded city, leaving my old life behind, and came to a place where a ring of bright water dazzled the care from my mind. So I live with the wonder of the sky and the sea, and I always remember who revealed them to me. Now you are gone with your whirlpools of laughter, racing me down to the sea. But I always smile when a ring of bright water echoes your laughter. But now you are gone with your whirlpools of laughter, racing me down to the sea. But I always smile when a ring of bright water echoes your laughter to me. Echoes your laughter to me. I'm I'm going to force you to come up with another list <laughs> that you probably won't that you probably won't like doing. And I was going to narrow it to three, but now I'll say five. Okay. Would you uh, would would you have any kind of a sense as to what your your five favorite composers are? Oh my god! Well, I, I mean, obviously John Barry. I mean, John Barry as, as in film composer, John Barry without a doubt. And then randomly, uh, you know, it, for, yeah, Henry Mancini without a doubt. Um, yeah, uh, I'd go Burt Bacharach, and you know, Burt Bacharach is. I guess isn't he does films? He's probably not. He does, you know, he's famous for pop as well. He would be up yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, you could still say he's a film composer. He's done. Yeah. He's done, you know, quite a few. Yeah, um, but Bernard Herrmann, who you know, I've got a piece here. I mean, Bernard Herrmann for me, I think, is just extraordinary. Um, you know, I I love just adore his music. 
Um, I don't think there's anything he's done that I, I don't love. And I think North by Northwest, for me, was probably the Bond film that uh, Hitchcock and he didn't do, but but was was almost Bond. He was Bond before Bond came for me. So mm. there'd be, yeah, John Williams would have to be there, although controversially, you know, there are stuff I don't like about John Williams. You know, I, yeah, uh, I, I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't like Jurassic Park. I don't like Harry Potter at all. Um, but you know, it, it, then you get. You know, obviously Star Wars, which is great, but you know, ET, stunning. Um, so John Williams for for those things, uh, his minor stuff like Jane Eyre, actually, I think is his greatest. Uh, how many is that? Uh, how many others? Um, I lost track. I think it was four, but I, I, yeah, um, uh, yeah. Richard Rodney Bennett would 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 definitely be there. He's he's done some uh, amazing stuff. Isn't it strange? Okay. Like, these people and my mind goes blank. <laughs> um, I think I, I've got so so many that that I, I uh, yeah that I love really. Um, yeah, there's that's a good list, and it and it, and it, and it, you know it makes sense given your choices that those are some of the people that you would have liked. David Arnold. I've got to mention David Arnold. I mean David Arnold. I yeah Uh-oh. David Arnold. You know. I, 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 and stuff, David Arnold, without a doubt. He might be listening to this program, so you know, I'm sure. I'm sure uh, you know Tony apologizes to David. <laughs> um, let's 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 hear another one, and this is a composer that has really come on very strong here the last, uh, I, gosh, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 years. I'm make sure I say his name right. A- Alexander Desplat, I that, believe, is his. And I'm not, you know, ashamed to say, I'm not really all that familiar with his music. I mean, I've seen some of the films that he's done, but for some reason, I just really never paid attention much to the music, but I, I certainly will on this one. You had uh, chosen some music from a film called Seals Take Off. Uh, tell me a little bit about how that made your list of favorites. Well, no, but that's, it's actually a cue. The, 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 the movie is Zero Dark Thirty. Ah, okay. It's, it's actually the movie about the... the um, the, the, how the seals took out Bin Laden, you know that that with, with Obama looking on, and when when they took out Bin Laden. Um, yep. Uh, once again, I've forgotten her name, the the the, the director, but it, it's about that. And and I, literally, I, I'm with you with Desplat. Um, he's been one of those that snuck up on me because there have been stuff that I didn't like about him. But you know, Peter Greenhill is is a great fan of his and. He, he actually first, it was Peter Greenhill that first played this piece uh, on the James Bond uh, music site. And I poo-pooed it, thought, no, I don't like it. But then I saw the movie. Um, it was I was on a night duty um, uh, just about two years ago. It, it, was, it was a quiet night duty um, now um, on, on the unit I'm working in. Because I, I work in psychiatry now. I've not, not always been a general nurse. I'm into psychiatry now. And so... Oh, okay. It can be a bit quieter when people have gone to bed. So we watched this movie one night, and um, uh, I, I didn't know what to expect. And it was just incredible. And, and the music is just fantastic. And there's just this one scene where these helicopters take off to, to take out Bin Laden, essentially. Um, and it's all it's dark, and, and they take off, and this music comes over. And it's just, for me, I think this is Bond. And I didn't get it until I saw the film. Straight away when I'd seen the film, I, I 
said I said to Peter, look, I get it now. I get why you love this. And for yeah. all, I, I think I was bombarding the James Bond music site with this, saying this is so Bondy. And if you listen to it, and, and if you get a chance, even if you just see this scene, it would be in a it could be in a Bond movie. So that's why I've chosen huh. this. And I think well, you know, and you 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 bring up a good point too that I don't know. I don't know if everybody feels the same way about it, but it's been very rare whenever I've, if someone plays a, a, a soundtrack or a couple of cues from a soundtrack, but I've not seen the movie. It, a lot of times it doesn't hit just exactly what you described. Once you put it in the context of the film, that's when it makes its impact. It's um, It's been pretty rare. Even with John Barry's music, sometimes it's been pretty rare that I would, listen to something without having seen the film and, and have it connect with me as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that, that, that's not unusual. Let's, uh, let's have a listen to this. This is from zero dark 30, the film, uh, and, uh, it's composed by Alexander Desplat. Well, I want to bring it back to uh, to John Barry, which is you know your favorite and, and mine, and you you've selected some you know some of my favorite cues as well. Uh, I, I think what I'm going to do is maybe combine two or three of them 
and we'll just play them back to back. So I'd like you to comment on them if you will. And, and these are ones I love as well. Um, I guess the theme from, I think it was a TV show, if I recall in the UK called Vendetta. Yeah. Um, there's also a, a, a cue from a, which to me, in a lot of people's opinion is the last James Bond score that John Barry wrote. It was for a film called the specialist. It, it wasn't a bond film, but it had that kind of a feel to it. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I'm, you know, kind of tell me a little bit about uh, your thinking of including those in your list. Two well, entirely then, different sounding, uh, you know, pieces of music. Well, Vendetta was purely because when, when I discovered who John Barry was when I, when I was 13, um, I, I realized that I'd, I'd loved his music since the age of six. And, and that's because um, Vendetta was on when I was six uh, in this country. And I loved the music. And it wasn't until I found the album of the Persuaders uh, that I, once again, I, I almost screamed. Uh, um, I, I saw it's like, oh, my God, he, he did this piece when I was six. So <laughs> you, I, I found him. I, I discovered who he was when I was 13. But clearly, I'd loved his music for years beforehand. So that's why I chose Vendetta. Yeah. Yeah. That, that reminds me of how, when I, when I saw the persuaders uh, a couple of times when it was actually, you know, first run series in the U S and I, and I would hear that theme music, but for some reason, I don't know what it was. I just never saw who wrote it. And it, for years, it bothered me. I could not, this is before the internet and all that kind of stuff when you could instantly find out that kind of information. And yeah. then it, all of a sudden, you know, I was able to find out, well, okay, duh, no wonder you like it so much. It's written by, by John Barry. So yeah, yeah, uh, I yeah. know what you mean. The, uh, the other cue that we were going to play too is, is from a film called the specialist. Uh, tell us a little bit about choosing that, that particular well, uh, cue. Well, once again, I, I, as you said, I mean, I, I actually love the film the specialist. I, I, um, once again, it gets not, but I think it is great. And it is a Bond thing. It is a Bond score, basically. There wasn't a Bond score. I could have chosen so many different jazz pieces from Fun City to Try, uh, you know, all sorts of jazz, body heat, which I, I could have heard. But this, I, I, I don't know, particularly this particular version played by the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, I think it's just stunning. Um, I, it, it's It's... Barry at his jazz best. Uh, mm. no, nobody but nobody. I love jazz, but nobody does jazz quite like Barry. He just wrinkles the piano. You know, I can't play an instrument, but when I listen to this, I am playing the saxophones. I am playing the piano. It's as simple as that. <laughs> you know, uh, so, yeah, that's why. I, I could have chosen a lot, but I think I just love this. Simple as that. Love it. Yeah, I, I agree. Let's, let's have a listen then. These are uh, two different shows if you will a tv show called vendetta the theme, main theme from that and then a cue called did you call me from the specialist both of them written by john barry
are are you able to pinpoint what it is that what is it about John Barry's music that just seems to connect with you? Have you been able to kind of figure that out? It it is a difficult one. But I well, I think it's got to be the emotional connection. I he just he just hits a spot. It's not just my head when I listen to his music. It, it almost goes all over, but it certainly goes into the heart. And he's mm. just, he, he's been there. His music has just been there for so many moments in my life. You know, like I said, when my dad died, he it was a comfort. Uh, you know, when you know when I've had love affairs, when you know my mum died, you know all sorts of things, really happy things. He he can he he can accompany the music. He looks at the soundtrack to my life. I know it sounds like a cliche, but his music is the soundtrack to my life. Um, yeah. And he accompanies whatever way I'm feeling, basically. I, it, he has a piece of music for any any piece of feeling that I have. One thing that I, I said, when, when he died, which we're coming up for the 10th anniversary, the one thing I still can't get my head around, which I've said to people, is that we, when, when people have died in my life, uh, I've always had John Barry, the sad thing is, I, I know we've got John Barry because John Barry's tonight, but it, it's almost incons- I, I'm almost inconsolable for 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 you know for when he died because I've got no one to kind of console me for his death. If that makes any kind of sense, because his his music has literally put his its arm around me for yeah. so many emotional moments in my life whether it be sad or happy or whatever, you know. I mean, I had okay. a period of depression and without his music, I don't know, I've gone through days, you know, it, it just, yeah, uh, you know, days at work, as I said, you know, I could be James Bond, but if he's going bad, I could, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, so yeah. I, I think it's the emotional. I think it's the emotional. I think he's, uh, yeah, whatever he does, he does something far, far greater than any other composer for me. Yeah, I'm, I understand what you're saying, but it is hard to it's hard to describe it or put it in the words. But I, but I, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I feel much the same way. And yeah. um, let's let's talk about emotional connections here. The the uh, the last two cues we're going to play, I, I think, are particular favorites of yours, and maybe for different reasons. Uh, I'm talking about the uh, the the end titles to the film Midnight Cowboy, and then also. Uh, we're going to play another song with singers on it. Uh, this being the title song from the Bond film of you do a kill. So tell me a little bit about what went into your uh, selecting those two cues. Okay. Yeah. Um, Midnight Cowboy. I, I think probably it's, it's very difficult to have a favorite movie really, but it is the film along with secret service that I, I watch every year. I think it's a beautiful film. It's often reviewed as a film about seediness, about griminess. Yeah, I mean, New York certainly looked seedy and grimy at that time. And I mean, I've been to New York loads of times now and I love New York, but, and I would love to have seen it then, I really would. But for me, it's not, it, it's, about, it's about two disparate people, two lonely souls who have lost, they meet up and they have this dream. They both of them have a dream and they both find a way of finding that dream and they they bond and they have this extraordinary friendship and this incredible love i i think there's a an incredible love between the two of them and it's it's a wonderful thing because 
at no point is it, uh, you know, today they'd probably make it into a sort of like a, they, they were sexualise it in some sort of way, but it's not. It's just literally a beautiful film about two people that just kind of, kind of fell in love with each other through a bond uh, and, and a dream. And so that movie I adore. And then, of course, once again, without the spoiler alert, I mean, that bit, that the end of that is, is stunning. I mean, oh. you know, I, I cry every yeah. time. The beauty of it as well is that although that ending happens, today what they would have done with that ending is that they would have carried on and you would have seen what would have happened to Joe Buck straight after, or they would have probably made part two to see what <laughs> Joe Buck's life is like, but they don't. They leave it where it is. You don't know if what happens when they get off that bus. You don't know. All that happens is you hear John Barry's music come on. It's ending. I'm in tears, and that's it for another year. And I can't wait till I see it again. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. what's what's the reason for a, a, a view to a kill to to, uh, to make your list? Yeah, a, a view to a kill. Which hopefully, is is it that fatal kiss that you're doing, or are you doing the song? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I hmm. it, it doesn't matter. Uh, I, it, 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 it's what it's whatever you sent me. I don't. Know. I think it's it, yeah, it, it's that fatal kiss. So it, it's actually the B side to the single, which which, ah. which, is, which is which is actually basically uh, John Barry's. It, it, it would have been wine with Stacy in the film, uh, the Q oh, and okay. the film, on the B side. They just called it that fatal kiss, and and that the reason I've chosen that is purely because it's it's a Julie who I met first uh, of September, nineteen ninety five, after having. Two failed marriages. I didn't think I'd ever find love, really. Certainly not in the way I did. And and that day, I, I celebrate. We said we celebrate. You know, on the first of September, September nineteen ninety five, I found my soulmate, my best friend, and literally the love of my life. And 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 she still is, as I said in my my bio. You know, I'm still as crazy about her right now as I, you know. She's at work at the moment. When she comes home tonight, I get that same feeling. I adore her. And this this was, you know, she's 12 years younger than me. So she was a Duran Duran fan. I was a Duran Duran fan. And we she had it in her collection. And, so, you know, there's somebody that I met that not only do I adore, not only is gorgeous, she's also got a John Barry piece. In her- <laughs> what more could a man ask for? <laughs> yeah, I mean, how good is that, <laughs> you know? Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's become our, 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 our piece. It's, it's our song. Simple as All that. All right. Well, let's have a listen then. This uh two different cues two entirely different kind of moods and films uh the first one being the end titles from the film midnight cowboy and then we'll uh, finish up with uh that fatal kiss which is a, a cue from the film a view to a kill both written by john barry
Well, Tony, I I hope you've enjoyed this. It's been it's been fun getting a chance to to know you on a personal level, but also to discuss some of this great music that you've chosen. Uh, I've had a great time. I hope you have as well. Uh, I've I've had this has been a fantastic. I am buzzing. I I am buzzing. Um, can I just make a shout out for the John Barry Appreciation Society because this is oh, absolutely this is the sort of thing that's come about since I've been uh, with them. I, I, I love these guys. I've met so many great friends. And, I, you know, just talking to you here, I know. And when we're back in the States, when we can, we've got to meet up. I really want to meet you. But I, I've met so many great people, to, to name just a few, just like Ian McDonald, Peter Greenhill, Andy, um, God, I can't, you know, Andy, uh, um, a whole <laughs> lot of people. I don't think they know how important they are, are to me. I, I, as I said, I alluded to earlier, I, I had a, quite a long period of depression. I don't think I even know how much they were important to my recovery. And I'm just saying this now because I want all of you guys in this group to know that because you lot have been amazing. And you brought me to moments like this. I've been interviewed, you know, last year or two years ago, you know, we went, Pete, Alan, Moore and I and Julie, we were on a New York stage with Lolita, my love. And that was through the John Barry lot. You know, so all of them, all, all of you guys, amazing. And thank you, Frank. I, 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 we got to meet up we, when we're back out in the States. Absolutely. We, I, 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 we've got to find a way of getting you out to where we are. We'll come to you because I, I we love <laughs> So it'll be great to meet up. Yeah, I know you love going to New York, but you know what? If you haven't been to New Orleans, you haven't lived yet. Well, that no, that's on our list. New Orleans is definitely on our list. So we will be there at some point. Maybe that's our next stop then. Yeah, let's hope things get back to normal soon. Um, listen, again, my my sincere thanks for you joining me today. I want to also mention the fact that I'm really grateful to our uh, patrons that are have uh, helped support the program through Patreon. Just to name a couple of them, Douglas and Ron and Byron, I, my thanks to you guys if you're listening today. Uh, your help is always appreciated. And also to remind you, too, if anyone is interested, I haven't talked about it a lot lately, there is... Uh, an opportunity for you if you want to get a t-shirt or a mug or something like that that has the what's the score logo on it uh, there's a way to do that you actually just go to redbubble.com slash people slash frw007 slash shop now I know that's a lot I'll put it on our Facebook page if anybody's interested in looking it up and uh, uh, we'd appreciate it if you give it a give it a shot there's some really cool stuff on there that has our great logo on it Anyway, with that, uh, again, our thanks to our guest, Tony Weeks, for joining us and sharing some really terrific music. And I guess with that, there's only one thing left to say, and that's simply this. My name is Frank R. Wilson. My time's up. I thank you for yours. Thanks for listening to What's the Score.